Malone podcast. I'm your host, Heather McFadden, and this is the place where I'm going to connect you with people and resources to remind you that you're not alone. In this episode, number 220, I'm chatting with my friend, Trisha Goyer, about calming angry kids. Because it's really God, and it's really the Holy Spirit in them. The fruit of the Spirit is God in them that's going to change them. And I could try all these activities, you know, we could do calming bags or coping skills or all these. I mean, we do all the things too, but really it is God in them. And the more they lean on God, the more they depend on him, that they'll truly change. So true that change happens from the inside out, but maybe you are struggling with a child in your home who is dealing with a lot of anger and you don't know what to do. Well, my guest today, Trisha Goyer, is the author of the new book, Calming Angry Kids. And she knows a thing or two about the topic. She has three biological children, and when I met her, she had one adopted child. She now has seven. She adopted a group of four sisters, and they were in their junior high and teen years. So she shares a lot from her own story, and I think that you're going to be really encouraged with actual, practical, tangible things you can do. But like always with my episodes, I never want to leave you with overwhelm always want you to ask God what's for me and what's not for me. What's going to help me have empathy for my friends who are dealing with this topic and how I can pray for them. What's something we can integrate easily and it's going to encourage our family. But I never want you to feel the burden of somebody else's plan or how their family functions. So in this conversation, we are going to be answering your questions that you shared with me. Questions like, How do you know if your child has an anger issue or it's just a developmental stage? How do you help children who are siblings of angry children? If anger is a secondary emotion, what's behind those angry outbursts? What about stopping the anger cycle before it starts? Or tips for helping them learn to calm down? And you moms of preteens and teens, we even have some information for you at the end of the episode. So stick around for that. All in all, I think you're going to be encouraged by... Trisha's heart to love these kids well. Let's get to my conversation with Trisha. Here we go. Hey, Trisha. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited. Oh, man. Y'all. Thank you. So, Trisha, you've been on the show twice before. I looked it up. Episode 7 and episode 179. So, here we are. 40 episodes later from the last time we chatted. And I know in that 179, you shared a lot about where God had called your family and how you're walking out in obedience to adopt. But in case someone hasn't listened to that episode yet, will you just (laughs) quickly summarize or introduce the y'all listening to uh, your family and all God has brought into your family in the last few years? Absolutely. Well, I'm Trisha. I've been married to John for 28 years, and we have uh, three biological kids. So Corey, Leslie, and Nathan are adults, and Corey has two kids, and Leslie's pregnant, so oh, we're super excited. Her husband. Yeah. yeah. They live in the Czech Republic as missionaries, and so her baby's due in January. And then <laughs> we were nearly done with the parenting years. Our um, youngest, Nathan, was 16 at the time when we just filled felt called to adoption, and we first adopted just a, a private adoption. We adopted a, a newborn baby girl, and then uh, a couple years later, we moved to Arkansas and found out about all the kids in foster care um, and just those that were already open for adoption that just needed forever families. And we got Casey and Bella. Casey was two and a half, and Bella was five years old. 
And then um, when things settled down from that adoption, we felt called to adopt older girls, especially from foster care, because we'd seen so many girls aging out and saw so much heartache in their lives. And um, we ended up adopting a sibling group of four girls. They were between the ages of 11 and 14 at the time. Um, so in the matter of five years, we adopted uh, seven kids, <laughs> which is, just filled our lives with good stuff and hard stuff, too. Uh, but now they're the ages of our youngest is eight and our oldest is 29. So we have we have lots of kids. Oh, my stars. And, y'all, that would be enough if Tricia was just focusing in on getting them fed and dressed and sending them off to school. Not only that, you are homeschooling them. Not only that, you are taking them to different therapies. Not only that, you are caring for your grandma still. Yeah, my grandma's yeah. 89. She lives with us. We do have someone that comes in okay. uh, and watches her during the day. Yeah, oh, that's so helpful. Helps. Okay, so eight to eighty-nine, actually. And then uh, you don't. You you also <laughs> are very gifted in writing. So you've written a couple things. How many yeah. books um, are under your name now? Number seventy-three came out today. Is re- is release day? Seventy-three. When I looked back at episode seven, it said thirty-five. <laughs> You've so doubled just, it I've since the first things. time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Goodness gracious. And that's a mix of novels and nonfiction. And today we just wanted to chat about that book that's coming out, Calming Angry Kids. I told you, um, I asked listeners for questions about parenting for the live event. And so many questions were on emotions in our kids, emotional regulation, anxiety, anger, sensitivity. And so I knew you would be a great match for helping them because I feel like, particularly in this book, and I know you personally, you're very open to share your own struggles. And I felt like reading your book was a journal uh, into just even your emotions and dealing with your children's emotions. And whether this mom listening has adopted or a child is biological it can rip our hearts to bits when we're seeing our kids struggle. And so just to have you be vulnerable and open, thank you for, thank you for doing that. Thank you for trusting us with that. Absolutely. And really, and I ask permission of my kids too. Yeah. Um, I, I did change their name in the books, but you know, they, they have changed a lot and um, they know that there's other kids out there struggling. And so, I mean, they were right there with me as I was sharing stories. I was asking them, is it okay to share this? So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. no, that's good to hear. Yeah. Yeah, so, man, getting started, I think one of the places, since I have so many young moms who listen, is talking through the toddler days. I know when you adopted a couple of uh, kids in the toddler years, there was a lot coming into that relationship already that can spur on some of the anger. But I know moms that have biological children, and they see the tantruming and the anger coming out at two and three and four, and they're concerned this is going to be a lifelong struggle. And so I don't know if you can give advice or wisdom on when do we know this is not this is not just a developmental thing that this is something we might be dealing with for a long time, and to kind of release that burden. Do you know what I'm saying? Like when we see something in little teeny kids, sometimes we project that they're going to, this is going to be an issue as an adult, they're going to be an angry man, they're going to hurt their wife, they're going to be an angry, you know, person long term. When can we say this is maybe just a developmental stage and not something we need to 
add worry to on top of what's already hard. Absolutely. Well, I think it's definitely a developmental stage with yeah. all kids. Yeah. I mean, it's called the terrible twos and the horrific threes or whatever it's called for a reason. <laughs> three nature. I mean, those, yeah. Yeah, the three nature. And, and those years are just hard because kids are wanting to do more than they're physically able to do. You know, they're wanting to be big kids, but their bodies just can't work that way. They're wanting um, to communicate often better than they're able to. So they might want something and not be able to, you know, say how they you know, ask for it. And there's those tantrums and all the changes. And then they're not wanting to nap. I mean, there's so many changes. I think it becomes a problem when it beca- when we see that this is a regular thing that's happening and we don't know how to help them um, control it. And I think one of the things, and I was so guilty of this uh, with, with my kids, is we want to find the disciplined thing that will teach them not to act that way. Yeah. So we, you know, whether it's time out or, um, you know, some people believe in space. Thinking. I mean, all these things we, we think, okay, if we can find the right discipline thing um, that we can help our kids and we can fix this problem when really, when I went to the therapist, when we got um, our little guy, when he was two and a half, he was major, major raging. And so with our five-year-old and I'm thinking, okay, give me like, let's work on timeouts or let's work on all these other things. And really they had me do this activity that I think applies to any kid is um, the, the therapist said, okay, this is how I want you to fix it. I want you to spend five minutes a day. And I want you to have special toys for your time together. You could call it mommy time or whatever. Um, and I want you to go away with that child. And while you're playing together, let them direct the play. And um, you don't get to ask any questions. You don't get to say, hey, let's do this. You just let them direct the play. And then you watch what they're doing. And you, you say, like, oh, you're lining up the cars. Or if they offer a car, you praise them, you know, whatever. And you say, thank you. You did such a good job sharing. And then um, you also repeat what they say so they may say like blue car you say blue car and what it does is it just lets the kids know that you are watching them you are listening to them and you appreciate them and you praise them and I think so many times at that age we get so easy uh, we get so used to just doing things for our kids we get used to feeding them we get used to yeah. changing them we get used to bathing them where it's we're just this like this big body that's just moving around and that just really helped me so much to sit down with the child and let them know like I see you I hear you I'm here and it's like it's all about them and that helped me like all of a sudden within a couple of weeks my child was behaving so much better and it really just built bonding in a way that the child could understand um and it's amazing how sometimes it was the positive the praise and stuff that changed their behavior more than finding the right discipline um mm-hmm. that would stop their behavior and then when i we got the older girls and we went to therapy with them um what did they tell me to do they said you know sit down for 5 or 10 minutes and paint each other's nails sort through the mail you know look at funny youtube videos that they yeah. want to share with you and it really was that bonding time so i think so many times we think of like okay how do i solve this what can i do to fix it and really how do i get our, it to stop really how do we get what, it to stop yeah yeah. But when we give our kids the time, the attention, and the focus, and the praise, like lots and lots of praise, you know, she even, my therapist even talked about, you know, when they're throwing things and you're telling them to clean up, like if they just throw a toy in the direction of the toy box, great job, picking <laughs> up, great job, throw it in the toy box. And it's the hardest thing to do because we're always like focused on the negative. 
And mm. instead, like when we just praise our kids and we spend that time on them, it's amazing how much things change. So I think to answer your question, like if you see that this is a repeated thing with a kid, um, know that definitely, I mean, all kids go through those stages, but we can look at like reaching out to them and trying to connect with their heart and spending just even five minutes with them um, face-to-face, one-on-one, talking to them, praising them will make a huge difference. How did you handle in any of your kids, whether they were young or even teenagers, how their anger impacted the other siblings? I know that some people deal with anger internally, so they start building walls and others Mm -hmm. explode. And so sometimes the exploders can cause the other ones to build walls. And so how did you negotiate that when you had so many different kids probably responding in a variety of different ways with their anger? Yeah, that is such a good question. I think when you have a kid that's very um, acting out and, um, you know, lashing out on everyone, you have a lot of wounded hearts. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I had a wounded heart. So yeah, <laughs> my yeah. other kids had a wounded heart and, you know, I'd have little kids crying in beds when maybe when their older sisters were acting out, like, why does she act that way? And they'd even like say, why did you have to adopt her? I mean, which mm-hmm. is so hard mm-hmm. to hear. Um, and, and just know that, you know, we, we would pray for that per that child. And we would say, you know, she's having a hard time right now. She's had hard things in her life. She's learning how to care and mommy's trying to help her, you know, so just let them know that God can be there to help her. And there's time we all get together and we pray and just say, you know, older sister's having a hard time right now. Let's pray. Um, and, and just let them know that it's nothing that they did. Cause sometimes like they may be loud or not want to share and they may think that it's their fault and just say, you know, everyone gets mad, but it's what we do with the mad (laughs) that makes a difference. So even though she was mad, she didn't have to act that way. So let them know, like, just because they didn't want to share their toy and, you know, sister or brother went off the handle that it's not their fault that, you know, that their sibling is learning to act that way. And then, you know, there'd be times when uh, you do have to, for a while, even though you know you're your little kids are hurting, like go and deal with the child that's angry. Um, you know, you have to, you have to talk with them. You have to sit with them. Um, but one thing that really helped me, um, was another thing that a therapist taught me is that when they are emotionally peaked like that, when the anger is pouring out of them, it's not a time to lecture. (laughs) So Yeah. yeah, It's, there is a disconnect between the emotions and the emotional brain and the thinking brain. So when they are that in that huge moment of anger where they're just exploding, whether they're two, five, or 15, I mean, it's well, all that age, it's not the time to tell them, this is the reason why you don't act that way or, <laughs> or, or try to discipline them. You're not going to get your TV for the next week. I mean, anything, when the emotions are going on, no, they cannot hear you. Um, and so that really helped me too. So, you know, sometimes I would just go in and, um, go into the room and sit there and like sit there and pray and sit there and be present and just wait. You know, it may take 15, it may take 20 minutes, it may take 30 minutes, wait for that child to calm down and then, and then talk to them. And then at the end, just try to bring reconciliation. So when I am, you know, the, the child's angry, we're able to calmly talk about it afterwards. I'll say, why don't we go just apologize to everyone? Um, and that's the hardest thing to do mm-hmm. is getting them to apologize. But I think what when they learned it is by me apologizing. So when I would explode, <laughs> we could help, we could have a whole segment about that. <laughs> um, but for me to go back and say, like, I am so sorry, I shouldn't act that way. The more I was willing to do that, I found my kids were willing to do that. And then that needs to bring reconciliation to the whole family and um, let them know like, this is, you know, this is not okay. 
Um, and it might not be that day. It might be the next day we're able to come together again, but really trying to bring everyone together again so those walls don't build up between family members. What I'm sensing is you're taking something that is hard, and I'm sure people listening can identify with that hard moment where one sibling's actions impact the entire family, and what you've just trained your other kids is to grow in compassion, to recognize our faith is real. We do pray and ask God for help in those moments, which I've read from research that that's actually one of the best ways to build faith into your children is to model that we go to God when things are hard and we trust Him. And then you just taught them reconciliation and forgiveness, which, I mean, so many beautiful things that can come out of a really hard thing, which is anger and emotions and conflict. And so thank you for sharing all that, because that just, that reminds us that we don't just have to avoid anger and say, get those kids to calm down, but we can embrace it and model so many beautiful things for our families that are actually the gospel to a world that's angry, to a world that's clashing into each other, um, that we can pray if we see a a cashier that's angry Mm -hmm. and just have compassion for her and say, I wonder what's happening in her life. We can pray for her. So all, all the different ways we can model those things is so, so beautiful. Um, you and I were talking about how anger oftentimes isn't the primary thing going on and so much is coming. It's usually a secondary emotion, especially for the kids that you've brought into your home. What have you found to be oftentimes the emotions or the reasons behind the anger? That's such a good thing. You know, there is, there's triggers that cause the anger. And sometimes we might, might not even, it might be abandonment. It might be feel, feelings of shame. Um, one example that I have is one of my little kids got burnt. We were at a camp out and she accidentally touched the fire. And I'm, I'm trying to um, deal with her and help the burn. And as I'm dealing with her, um, one of the older girls came up and said, oh, I burnt myself last night when I was making s'mores. Mm. And I said, oh, honey, I'll get with you in a minute. I mean, I have this little five-year-old on my lap just screaming at the top of her lungs. And it's bliss- her hand's blistering up. Mm. And, you know, I didn't even hear about the older girl's injury. So, you know, of course, I said, I'll get to you in a second. Well, all of a sudden, the look on her face went from horror, pain, shame, and anger all there. And she ran off. Um, she went to our, her cabin. She packed up her things and took off in the woods <laughs> in oh that moment. Oh and so... You know, then I, and then I'll, then her sister was mad at me because I didn't help her sister. I mean, it was this whole big thing. But what I realized was that moment when I said, no, I'm not going to help you right now. Um, and I'm sure um, it was like, I'm, I'm sure my voice wasn't gentle. Like, no, you know, just a minute. Um, you, were, you, know, you were feeling the, I was like, dealing yeah. with yeah, yeah, a yeah. child with blisters on her hand. Yeah. Um, it was all the times when she'd been with her biological family or in foster care when people didn't take care of her needs. Mm. Um and it, in that moment, even though, I mean, so logically, she didn't say, oh, yeah, my mom's dealing with a very hurt child. It was that moment of she's not going to take care of me. Mm-hmm. And then the, the thoughts of she's never going to take care of me. She really doesn't want me in her home. I mean, all these thoughts are coming. And so that, that feeling of abandonment or the feeling of a shame. One of another situation was we were all sitting around the dinner table having this conversation of like our first books we remember reading. So it was a very fun conversation. We were laughing, talking about Matt the Rat and Harold and the Purple Crayon and all these things. <laughs> and 
one of our one of our girls talked about she read she remembers reading Junie B. Jones and then one of our other girls got so upset and like I hate you when you treat me like that and we're just like shocked like what is How going did this on just turn? About, yeah. Know, this and I went up talking to her and after she was able to settle down she said because people used to tease her because her younger sister read before she did because she has dyslexia mm. and so even though no one said like you're dumb you read late all the feelings of shame of having her younger sister learn to read before her and people teasing her came bubbling up in that moment so it is it's a secondary emotion there's usually something behind it some deep wound that is there even little kids can get deep wounds of feeling unloved and even moments when you're not meaning to hurt them, it comes up. I mean, it can be, it can be other things too. It could be maybe there was a neighbor kid that they were in a fight with yesterday that all of a sudden as you're sitting down to dinner, it comes bubbling up. I mean, you never know what's really going on. And I think most of the time we want to say, stop doing that. Don't act that way. Don't yell at your sister. Yeah. Um, just really just letting them like say, just, you know, ha- go have a little space and then going like, what was that about? And just being like gentle have your face soft. I mean, usually, you know, when my kids get angry, I could feel my face tensing up and the angry <laughs> face. with a soft face, be able to say like, what was that about? Mm-hmm. And usually it's something else that was going on that has nothing to do with the moment. I think it's really helpful for us as moms to have that perspective because oftentimes those heightened emotions, those strong emotions make us feel ourselves like failures, <laughs> like we want to, we, we want happy children. We want content children. We want our children. We're, we're like spending our lives for these kids. And when we receive those negative or what we view as negative emotions, we can start derailing ourselves because of our own inner voice and our own issues. And so to, to kind of just have in my, a mom's mind, when a child is acting in a way that is negative or opposite of what we'd expect to take a hot second and say, this isn't about me. This isn't about what I'm doing. Something else is going on here. This needs to be addressed, but not right this second. I can't make them stop feeling that emotion. Like just having those phrases in our head so that we aren't just reacting and then adding intensity to an already intense moment. And I think we too also we want respect, right, like, right, right, we right. Want re- and we want our comfort zone, right. And so we want everyone to be happy. <laughs> and then Peace. those are things it's yeah. like poking at us. It's like poking needles at us when we have kids that are acting up. So really, just saying, like you were saying, this is not about me in this moment. <laughs> this is not about. And, and so many times, I remember when we first got the kids and they would act out in public. I'd like want to go to the cashier or the waitress and like we just adopted them. Like I want to explain. <laughs> you want to have like story. a T-shirt to say yeah. like. There is so much else going on here. I felt God saying, like, don't worry about them. Like, don't Mm -hmm. even worry about Mm -hmm. them. And I know when I see, you know, uh, a child acting out there, I was just at the store and this kid was just screaming. I just feel so bad for the parent. I think so many times we also think that people are judging us when really they're probably like, oh, honey, I'm so sorry that you're going through that right now. Hey. Trisha, amazing. There's nothing quite like having someone with older kids and still younger kids to get where we are and also have the perspective. She's like a mentor friend, and I'm so thankful for her. There's still tons of goodness to come. I'm hopping in here because so many of you have asked for why the switch. Why are we switching from God-centered mom to don't mom alone? Well, let me give you a little history on that. 
A listener several years ago, Carla Goodwin, reached out to me because she and her small group were using the podcast as curricula. They would listen to the podcast on their own. She'd write discussion questions, and it was such a fantabulous idea. We launched the podcast clubs, and now over 2,000 women have signed up to be leaders of these clubs, and I just love it. And the hashtag we used when we promoted that was, Don't Mom Alone. Well, it made me reflect and realize that in these over 200 episodes I've done, they've all kind of centered on the themes of mentorship, friendship, and discipleship, all reminding women that they're not alone. Mentors who give perspective and say, hey, it's okay. Here's here's an option of how you could handle it differently so that you don't feel like you've got this all on your shoulders. Friends who could share their stories so you're like, oh, it's not just me and I'm a failure, but that's something that's hard for you too and some successes that they're walking through and celebrating with them, and then reminding them that they're never truly alone, that that lie of isolation is a lie, and that God promises to be with them in the moment to moment to bring strength and encouragement. And lately, God has really been pressing on my heart to make the show more of an invitation. I saw a mom in my neighborhood pushing a stroller, and her face was so downcast, and she just looked weary, and I wanted to be able to invite her into this, to listen to the show, when it was the God Center Mom podcast, that felt heavy, that felt burdensome, and, and I didn't even share my own show. So how can I ask y'all to do that? But with the new podcast name, we are all going to be ambassadors against loneliness. We are going to invite others into the witness of mentorship and friendship and discipleship. We're going to take on this challenge of inviting one friend or one stranger to listen to your favorite episode or this episode. So tag me on your Insta stories. Use the hashtag NotAloneAmbassador. I can't wait to see what happened. Oh, man. Okay, so Trisha, one question that popped into my head is a lot of these stories are related to the children that you fostered and adopted. With your three biological children, did you have to deal with anger the same way? Or is this something that you've been learning more recently? You know, it's so funny because I tell them now, I mean, they're all adults. And I say, I don't think you did anything wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I think you were. And they're like, Mom, you just don't remember. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think, I mean, there was, you know, there was a moment. I mean, they got in trouble all the time. They got disciplined. But I think it it had, it was just a completely different, different level um, having kids that have been faced with trauma and have been um, in foster care. But another thing, too, is, I mean, it's so much harder raising kids. My oldest is 29. My youngest is eight. It is so much harder. It's like I feel like I'm on the second generation of kids. But there is social media. There is more television. There's more I mean, video games. I mean, the access that that they have um, to all these things, I think, brings so much anxiety and tension. And, um, you know, not only do they have to go to school well, you know, when our kids were in public school for a while, but then they would come home and they see on social media that people were talking about them. It's like, okay, we are. I mean, it's just so much more involved now, even than it was when I had my first generation of kids. I think it's so much harder. There's so many more pressures on kids. Even when we go places, uh, you know, my kids are all in um, Taekwondo. Um, they, we all go together as a family and, you know, some people are arriving late cause they just came from baseball and they're leaving early cause they're just going to sw- you know, swim practice right after. And I think kids today, I don't know if it's the generation of parents or what, but they have just their kids on the go all the time. And I'm thinking I would be stressed out if that was my schedule, (laughs) you know, and they're like 10 and 12 or five and four years old. And so I think it's just even completely different than the first generation of kids that I had. 
Definitely, because a lot of anger can actually, like we said, secondary, be rooted in anxiety and stress and ours and theirs. But I want them to play. I want them to be together. I want to be home. I want to have family dinners. Those are my priorities, but it is constant saying no, constant pushing back and rejecting these lies of keep up so you don't miss out. Keep up so your child can have the best. And and I do think it adds, it does add to the anxiety like you said, the, the social media and all of that jazz. How do you help your kids when they're starting to feel anxious? Yeah, I mean, first of all, um, I have limited social media. So yeah, because you have teenagers. Our, so we have teenagers. Yeah. They don't have phones. So yeah. they okay. have, they finally got Facebook, our 15 year olds. We have 15 year old twins. They finally got Facebook. And I'm like, Mom, only old people are there. I'm like, Yeah, <laughs> that's why I want you on. <laughs> They're talking about politics all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, really just limiting. And I know they're like, we're the only 15 year olds that don't have phones. I'm like, I know, I'm sorry. (laughs) Like, it's just, but it's really putting a safety net, like protecting them from all the things out there. And, you know, we do have, you know, they can watch funny YouTube videos or whatever, but I think there's so many things like we don't have to let them get involved in all the stuff that is out there. Um, We limit activities, but also I could tell on days when we do have our activities and they're just getting stressed and overwhelmed. I mean, there's some days where I'm like, okay, you know, we're not going to Taekwondo. Everyone's tired and, yeah. and being okay with that. Yeah. Um, not feeling like I just paid money for this class. We need to show up, but really just seeing if there's, they're feeling anxious about something this, to sit and talk about it and, and figure out what needs to change in our schedule. What do we need to cut out? Um, maybe there's neighborhood kids and we have a lot of kids in our neighborhood. Um, so even though they're homeschooled, they get lots of interaction. Yeah. You know, maybe there's a parent I need to talk to. Maybe there's kids that they can't play with for a while because th- this kid's teasing them. I mean, there's all the things that we can, but we first we have to sit down with our kids and we have to figure out like what is going on, what is making you anxious and giving them permission to say, um, you know, there's, there's too much. I, I just can't keep up with all my homework um, or, I, you know, the schedule. I mean, give them permission to do that. And even with my older kids, I remember my daughter was 12 and she was in um, music lessons and after school activities. And she came to me, she's like, my schedule is stressing me out. And so mm-hmm. we cut out some things. And this is, you know, um, she's 20, 25 now. And so this was a while ago. But just being able to give kids permission mm-hmm. if they don't want to do something without worrying about, oh, no, it's not going to be on the college or high school application. Right, right. Totally, totally. And helping them sort through it because they only know to look around. And we have to model looking up to God and not around at where our value comes from and our identity comes from. Yeah. And another thing too, I'll just add is um, spending time with them in God's word. And Mm. how do you all uh, do that? What does that look like when you have a large family? Yeah, well, we all gather around the table. So because we homeschool, that's the very first thing we do in the morning. And so we have prayer journals that I just got online. Um, I could send you a link that put in the show notes so people can look. But they just have a, a place for this, them to write a scripture. Um, they put um, uh, things. Uh, let me think. For, there's a scripture. There's things I want to pray for. There's God, please change me. And so it has things that they want God to change them and then things that they thank God for. So there's four different areas. And so we do that every morning. Um, and then we talk about the scriptures that they chose. We talk, and sometimes I'll help the little kids, younger kids pick out scriptures. And then I love the part, God changed me. So we'll talk about, you know, cause I'm doing, I have my journal right there with them. I'm saying, Lord, 
help me to be patient. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I might write a scripture that has to do with patience. And so it just goes to show them like all of us have things we need to change and hearing like them kind of mimic those things. Help me not yell at my sister or help me to do better um, on my homework and concentrate. So whatever issues they have. And then we go around the table, we all share what things, and then we go pray. So from the youngest to the oldest, we just go around and we pray. And the little ones, I mean, my eight-year-old prays for mommy and daddy every day. Like, that's pretty much his, his thing, like his go-to things. And we're like, you could add other things to pray for, but, you know, it's it's okay. Like, he's getting into he's the praying. habit. yes, yeah. He's praying. Um, and so then we do that, and then we will often have a devotional book. And then I always read a chapter of a missionary book because I really feel like these are the people I want my kids modeling their lives after. And so even if you don't homeschool, I mean, you could take time, you know, a couple days a week to read a chapter of a missionary book or to go through your prayer journals or to pray together as a family. I think that has been so important for my kids um, because it's really God and it's really the Holy Spirit in them. The fruit of the Spirit is God in them Mm -hmm. that's going to change them. And I could try all these activities, you know, we could do calming bags or coping skills or all these. I mean, we do all the things too, but really it is God in them. And the more they lean on God, the more they depend on him that they'll truly change. And especially one child I just had, um, she's 13 now and she just, we just had the hardest time with her attitude. And it wasn't until daily I started praying with her, praying through the fruit of the spirit and praying that God would help change her, that we saw change. I mean, I could do all the outside stuff to try to fix her, but really it's going to be God inside as she leans on him. Um, that's going to make the big difference. So helpful. I think you've given us tools like the connecting at the beginning of our conversation, talking about spending time with them outside of the conflict to kind of help reduce some of the emotional outbursts and equipping them with connecting with God and his truth and prayer. Let's say the mom is dealing with, and I know this is the second half of your book. So the first half of your book is understanding anger, theirs and yours, Um, the, the different triggers and the issues that can fuel it. And then the second half is helping your angry kid. And so building those bonds, which we talked about, let's talk about stopping the cycle before it starts. Um, what advice, like I know some of my boys are more prone to anger as (laughs) a thing than others. And some of them are more exploders and some of them are stuffers. Mm -hmm. How do we help (laughs) cut that off before it goes into crazy land? Yeah, well, one of the things that one of the therapists had me do is um, help them create an anger log. And so really, yeah, so really it was like a journal. And so they would put like um, the day and the time and then what made me mad. (laughs) And Mm. I think it's kind of eye opening um, when you realize like what are the things that continually make them mad. So one of the things with my older girls was when they first wake up, they're still trying to wake up and the little siblings are just like all over them and trying to talk to them mm-hmm. when they're not. And so really I wake my kids up in shifts now. Like I wake my little kids up, get them fed, get them dressed, get them settled down like with a cartoon or coloring or something. And then we wake the older girls up and, you know, give your bigger sister space. So once we, once they worked on an anger log, I can see, okay, these are the things that are making them mad and then let's look and figure out what's really going on. So it could be things that they're tired or they're, if they're on medication, like their medication hasn't kicked in. We have some kids with ADHD um, that if their medication's not kicked in, then a lot, there's a lot of anger that yeah. comes from just being all those heightened emotions. Um, sometimes it's sensory issues. So, you know, some of my kids, I've gotten them like those little fidget 
um, not the not the spinners, but the little the cubes. cubes. Yeah, 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 the, yeah, or things to chew on. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them have like sensory stuff, and if they have something to chew on, it helps. Um, so when you know, I read out loud, sometimes they'll have play doh. I mean, we figure out like what is going on, what's making them mad, and then what can we do? Or maybe it is. Um, this was my oldest daughter. She would get mad on the way to church because she would get so overwhelmed that all the people that want to want to talk to her. Oh, you know, you okay. look pretty today. Yeah. You're, you, and so we're because th- I'm thinking, why is this kid mad? Um, and this is not one of my adopted kids. This is like bio- my biological kid. When we go to church, she'd get so upset and she'd hide behind me and she wouldn't want to talk to people and she'd kick the, the kids. And I realized like she didn't know how to handle all the attention mm. um, of people talking to her. And so then we would role play and we would say, okay, someone's going to say, you look pretty today or I like your hair or they're going to want to, you know, talk to you in Sunday school class. And so we worked on role plane so the anger log can really help you figure out like and have them do it like if they're old enough have them write down the things that are making them mad and then talk through those things and figure out how to solve them and I think that's how you break the cycle is making them aware like and 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 say but I'm here to help you like it's not me against you because you're mad but it's me and you trying to figure out together what can help you and that can really help the cycle and I'm imagining especially if they're little this is happening after they're totally yeah. calm, after not the, in the moment, yeah. you're not filling out the journal. Exactly. It could be the next day. Yeah. Like yeah, yesterday, what was going on? Yeah, that's really like, helpful. That's, that's really yeah. helpful. Yeah, especially if they're older, they could probably reflect back. And I'm thinking adults who go into church a little overwhelmed and angry. So she is not alone <laughs> in that. She is not alone in that. So then how do we help them calm themselves? How do we give them those tools? If we're, if we're communicating, we're on the same page with you. We um, are not saying, you just calm down, stop it. You know, we're not giving them that direction. We want to be in there with them, equipping them. What are some things you found to be successful in that? Yeah, that is such a good question. So one of the things that we learned um, through one of the therapists is creating a calming bag. And I talk about this in the book, like different ideas of things you could put in there. Um, But it's just like a Ziploc bag or paper bag of things. And just say, why don't you go? play with something in your calming bag right now (laughs) so basically it's giving them space they're stepping away from the situation um and there's things in there like bubbles so when you you blow bubbles you have to breathe you know we tell our kids Mm. take a deep breath breathe well bubbles they have to suck in and they have to blow out so they can blow bubbles um there was play-doh in there um and then my daughter had also created like she had painted a picture of like a rainbow land with unicorns and she would just like think about her rainbow land and think about (laughs) Well, you know, what yeah. she could do, but it would get their mind off. Um, another thing that really works is like asking them, why don't you go wash your hands under warm water or even a bigger kid? I'm going to say, go take a shower. Like yeah. go, and that water, warm water would help them calm down. But these are tools that you need to kind of work with them ahead of time um, and figure out like what helps you to t- calm down. And really like some people say, go punch a pillow. Well, really, that's just kind of they're still angry. Like, yeah. um, and, you know, maybe hug a pillow instead. Um, so really think about things that will help your kids calm down. And so now my older kids, especially they know, like, I just need to go to my room for five minutes and calm down. And they'll even in a heightened moment, like I'm just going to my room. And at first, before I realized like that helps them, I'd be like, you get back here. We're not done talking right, about this. Right, like right. you want them. But now I'm like, okay, 
go calm down. We'll talk about this. I need a moment usually to calm down too with, when it comes to conflict. But, you know, letting them go to their room, letting them have that space. I mean, if we know they're not going to like go in there and thrash it or harm themselves, if we truly know and we've given them the tools, like these are things to do. And to create a calming bag, you can do that in a time when it's, you know, of course, when they're not angry. So, you know, on a Saturday morning, like, hey, we're going to put together this bag. And when you get mad during the week, like you can go and these are your special things that you can play with that will help you calm down. And it just teaches them like, okay, it's okay. Like to, um, you know, when I'm angry, another thing you can put in there is like scripture cards. If they're old enough to read it, they could put in favorite scriptures that will they can read and then will help them. Or prayers you could write out ahead of time and put them in there. And all those things that will really um, help them. And I know when I need to calm down, I'm like, get me to my room. Let me sit down with my Bible. Let me yeah. pray for a couple minutes. So, you know, we, it just helps so much to have those things prepared, let them know what they can do, and then they can step out of the situation and be able to go to that thing that can help them. And it's less shaming because it's more personalized. Like, I care about you. We're taking time to see what's unique for you. I know one of my sons has a weighted blanket mm-hmm. <laughs> that I made one Christmas, um, sewing late into the night, but uh, it's super helpful for him to help calm down is to get under that weighted blanket and for his sensory issues. And, um, they love that slime that comes in those metal cans. You know oh yeah. That? Yeah. And they have different ones. One that like is magnetic and one that's clear. And so all those kinds of things to put them in one place, one bag is such a good idea and doesn't feel so like a punishment, like punitive when you wow. say, go find your bag. And I know that's going to help you at I think he would really feel kind of special, especially. Yeah. And then they kids. have to sit <laughs> Yeah, they, it's like they're mad in the moment, but I'm going to go sit with my Play Doh for a couple minutes. Yeah. <laughs> like it just, yeah. it's like, okay, it's almost like, and it gives them a chance, like when they have the Play Doh or whatever, to like take those breaths, to like slow their thinking down. Because, yeah. I mean, everything speeds up when you're angry. You're thoughts, your actions, your your body tenses up. And when they're able to sit down with their bag and sort out what they want to play with in that moment, they're able to breathe and everything kind of slows down and they're able to relax. And then, you know, later I can go in, you know, give them 10, 5, 10 minutes um, and say, how are you doing now? And be able to sit side by side with them and talk through it and maybe pick up the Play-Doh and work with them. But just, I love how you said it's not shaming to them because you've planned it ahead of time. Like this is going to help you. And, uh, yeah. It, it's just, it gets a place where they can go to know that, okay, this is, I can have this and this is mine and it's okay. Take a second before we have to go to talk about more than a second. You have more than a second, but to talk <laughs> to the mom of the preteen and the teenager, um, about anger, because I don't often get to address <laughs> the mom of teens and, and preteens. And I know that's a really isolating time because not a lot of people are writing about it online. And I know you've dedicated a couple chapters to that. What advice would you give her if she's just feeling really discouraged by what she's seeing? Well, it's such a hard age because it's the age where in one moment they're a little kid, still the preteen especially, and the next moment they're trying to act grown up. And, and they're also maybe pulling away more. You know, So you had this little kid that want to do everything with you, and now they want to isolate themselves. Um, but also, let's just say hormones. I mean, hormones mm-hmm. are huge, not only in girls, but in boys, too. A lot of people don't mention that. And there's so much change going on. Their bodies are awkward. I mean, they're yeah growing in the wrong places and feel awkward and all these issues. And I think just, just over and over and over pointing out things that are special about them, that you appreciate about them, that um, you love about them. And just saying those things are going to be such a huge 
thing. And even when they're hormonal and emotional, like, isn't it amazing that God made your body that someday you're going to have kids? And they're like, shut up, mom. But (laughs) even though they may be saying those things, they are really taking in your words. Mm -hmm. Um, And even like I have one daughter, she's she's a teen that's just super immature. And sometimes I just get so frustrated with it. And just instead of saying, you are so immature, which sometimes I say that and then have to apologize. But instead... I'll say, you know what? You would just be such a great kindergarten teacher. You would just be down there playing with the kids. And she's like, yeah. So really just finding the Mm. things that are unique about them. Because I think there's so many things in the world that's telling them they're not good enough. Mm. Um, They don't fit in. They don't look right. That we can just be the ones that are really praising them. And then also just realizing there's moments that there will be hormonal. And for boys, getting them active really, really helps. Getting those hormones you know, through their system is, you know, having them go on a bike ride or go on a run or play basketball. Like those are good things for girls. I mean, I know when I'm hormonal, like here's a chocolate bar and go sit down and watch a movie, (laughs) giving them them space. I think so many times we want them to be able to control their emotions, but there's so many hormonal things and just giving them space, um, giving them breathing room and uh, reminding them over and over that they are unique and special will go a long way when it comes to preteens and teens. Mm, So good. And there's so many more tips in here, y'all for your preteens and teens. If you are, if you're finding yourself with an angry teenager, preteen, um, kind of, I feel like you're, you encourage us to come alongside, be a soft place to land be a good mm-hmm. listener, talk with them, not at them, kind of loosen some reins and not making it um, so strict that you lose their heart and it being about the relationship there, um, but still keeping them accountable for how their actions are impacting the family and so much grace in that. Trisha, thank you so much for being with us today and for sharing a little bit of what God's teaching you. And we are praying so hard for you and your family. And um, I know... It brings me to tears when I think about Mm. all that God's doing, and I've just been walking with you for a long time and um, watching him unfold his plans, and I'm so thankful to count you as a friend. So thank you for being on today. Will you let uh, everyone know where they can find you online? Absolutely. Well, first of all, Heather, I just appreciate you and I appreciate your prayers and I'm so thankful for you too. Um, But they can find me online just at TrishaGoyer.com and Trisha's T-R-I-C-I-A, Goyer's G-O-Y-E-R.com and then on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all the places. It's just (laughs) Trisha Goyer. And uh, I love hearing from people. Um, I might not be able to get back to them within a day or two, but you know, if they they have, there's someone's hurting that just needs some encouragement. I have been there. I know what it's like to just like not know what to do um if they just want to send me a private message or uh, on instagram or facebook i mean just know it might take me a couple days but i would love to just give some encouragement and just pray for people and we're and we are still there i just want to say you know even though i wrote the book i mean sometimes i feel like i should have it all (laughs) fixed by now we are still in the midst of it with our kids and there's no shame in that you know we just need to love each other and support each other as moms and um, love and support each other's kids. And so I just appreciate you, Heather, your prayers and your love for me and my family. Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll always continue. And yes, we are all a work in progress. There's no expert. Anyone who says they're a parenting expert makes my eyebrows raise a little bit. Like, (laughs) really? That's neat. Um, Okay. Well, thank you, Tricia, so, so much. I will point people to all the things in the show notes and just, Can't wait to see you again soon. Yes, I can't wait. All right. Adios.
Thanks. I know one action step I'm taking after having this conversation. It's creating a calming bag with one of my sons because I think that would go a lot better than the whole slamming door situation we have going on right now. Anyone else? Okay. I wanted to remind y'all, last week you heard from Elise Fitzpatrick. She talked about idols of motherhood. You guys obviously loved it because it was in the top three on iTunes all week in Kids and Family, which is a big deal. So I wanted to remind you that she has this women's conference coming up, Idols of the Heart. And you can either watch it live or you can get a license and have access to it all the way through the end of the year. So she's basically going to be talking about, um, you know, this weight we might feel under our sin or surprised by situations that bring up fear and anger or distress. If you were resonated with stuff that she said and you want more help, this would be a great option. And you can buy a streaming license from the Hub for an individual or a small group or your entire church could basically have a women's conference at their church by streaming this event. And it doesn't have to be on the day that she's recording it. You can plan it out for a November event or a December event. So if you want to check out more details, go to don'tmomalone.com forward slash idols and you can see a link. You can watch a little video from Elise that describes what she's going to be talking about at that conference. And you can get details on all the different licenses that are available. All right. Thanks y'all for listening. Thanks for your support. Truly. I know the Instagram and the Facebook all have different names and podcast clubs have different names and it's a lot to deal with. Um, Even your emails, you may not have gotten your emails this week because it went to spam. I would just make sure you let your email know, let Gmail know that you, you like Don't Mom Alone and you want to see the emails from that place. Um, definitely go take a tour of the new site. Ted from Contemplate Design did an amazing job making it so much more user-friendly. I still need to go on there this week and add a ton of stuff and like redo my about page and add resources that I want to make it more easier for y'all to find things that I talk about on the show. All right. Thank y'all. Don't forget about your one person. You're an ambassador against loneliness and I want to see... I want to see who you're inviting. I want to know who you're helping, even if it's a stranger. That, to me, is super awesome. And we can do this. We can share this. We can invite people into the withness. All right. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Don't Mom Alone podcast. If you're wanting to connect with more people and more resources to help remind you that you're not alone, head over to don'tmomalone.com. That's also where you'll find the show notes with any links mentioned by our guests. Most importantly, I want you to know the good news, the great news that you're not alone because God has promised to always be with you. With faith in Jesus Christ, the one who died for you and rose again, he said when he left, he was going to leave a helper, a comforter to be with us. God in us. Moms, that is superpower. So while you're washing dishes at your kitchen sink, while you're driving to and from work, while you're feeding that baby late into the night, While you're cleaning sticky floors, God promises to be just as present and with you as when you're worshiping in a church pew. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Now that's good news. Have a great day.